Whoa, Lexi Matthews here with another GDP Minute for you guys. How are you guys doing? We are in week, I don't know, maybe seven or eight of the podcast, and we've been having a great time. This week, uh, I sat down over Zoom with Paul Kandarian, a journalist turned actor uh, in the Boston area. He is a supporting character in the GDP film, and he's a really cool guy. We talked about, you know, Boston and Boston as a movie city and, you know, journalism and a lot of other cool things with him. He was very cool, very knowledgeable, um, and he's had a really cool life. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode. And more than that, I hope you guys are all staying safe, staying healthy, washing your hands and everything. Um, I hope you've been enjoying these little Zoom installments of the episodes. We're having a great time recording them and releasing them for you guys. And I hope you all are enjoying them too. Thank you guys so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy this episode with Paul. A bit of a longer one, but I think it's worth it. Enjoy. Golden Deer Productions. Golden Deer. Oh, oh, wait, was that not it? Hey, enter, just you forgot to enter. Hi, my name is Paul Kandarian, and this is my golden hour. Well, welcome back to another episode of GDP The Director's Cut. Today we have Paul Kandarian joining us. Thank you so much, Paul. You're welcome. Happy to be here. And Paul, can you first start off by telling me how you met Connor and how you got involved with Connor? You know, I was kind of hoping Connor would know because I was, it was a couple of months ago and I get most of my work through backstage. Um, so it, it may have been through backstage or, or I, I can't remember if I found him or he found me. It was just, a, it worked out, whatever it was. Uh, so it may have been on backstage or he may have just contacted me to say, do you want to do this? I think that's what happened, and, and, and uh, I'm 90% sure that's what happened. And can you explain to me what Backstage is exactly? Oh, well, okay, it's uh, Backstage.com, and it, Backstage, uh, it was a, a print magazine for uh, like 40, 50 years. It's like Variety. It's like a, it's an entertainment magazine geared towards the entertainment industry. And then Backstage.com, they have listings for acting jobs, like literally all over the world. Um, so you sign up for that, you pay 150 bucks a year or whatever, and then you can connect with pe- people, casting directors, production companies, whatever, whatever, um, uh, uh, you can, you can filter it to, so you only get, uh, notifications fitting your demographic. So I get, I mean, I'll get 30, 40, 50 notices a day about possible auditions. And then I'll, you know, I'll hit them, you know, three or four or five a day and, you know, at hand sprinkle of those will, will work out. So it's all, it's a big gamble, but it works because it's a great website. It's a great resource for actors and you can really hone in on the kind of jobs that you want to get paying jobs or local or whatever. And it's really, really worked out well for me. I really, really enjoy it. So that's, that's what Backstage is. It's a a resource for actors and producers and filmmakers. Have you found any really odd jobs, any odd roles on Backstage? Not not necessarily odd, but just a, a, a different. I'm trying to think of any odd ones. I, uh, last year, the year before, I, I found one that I ended up going out to Ohio and West Virginia to, to be a time traveler. It's like this this old old guy and his wife who were scientists, and we we figured out how to travel in time, so we go back and forth and things like that. I mean, I love time travel concepts anyway, so that was great. I really enjoyed doing that. But as as far as just odd, weird, bizarre, uh, no, not really. It's just it's just different, just interesting, you know. So it's and I love di- different roles. I mean, some actors like 
playing a certain character all the time. I like, I'll play killers. I'll play avuncular characters, you know, grandfathers, nice guys, bad guys. I love mafia types. I just love playing mob types. And I've done a, done a handful of those. I love that. So it's all different, all interesting. It runs the gamut and I love it. That's a great segue. What role did you play in Connor's film? I played this really uh, smarmy, uh, horrible, condescending uh, motivational speaker who wrote a book. I said, I think the book was uh, You Could Be Me, but it's a long shot though, or something like this really smart ass kind of guy. And it was great because it was fun. It's fun going to extremes because I'm totally not that guy. So he he had me playing this motivational speaker who just, it's a tail end of a big speech in front of a bunch of car salesmen somewhere. We did it at BU. And I'm sure they'll put a green screen on a green screen. Well, however, they'll put a crowd there if there's nobody there. Um, and it was fun because he, he'd written this great dialogue where I'm just coming off as, this, like I said, smarmy, wise-ass, condescending guy. And then I go off stage and I just treat him like, shh, dirt. I don't know if you can say real words, but treat him like crap, just like crap all over this kid. And it was fun. And we, it was a lot of, uh, we improvised a lot too, because kind of, kind of, I mean, kind of is a very creative kid. Um, and he wrote the dialogue and we did it that way. And he said, okay, no, let's come up with something else. And he came up with stuff and I came up with stuff. And I love that. I love that interaction. Um, it, it, just working with somebody who's as creative as he is just to come up with crazy stuff. And we did, we came, I can't remember it now. We just came up with a bunch of good stuff. Um, so that was fun. And it was a great character to play because again, it's totally against who I am. I'm, I'm a reasonably nice human being. And this guy's just a complete jerk. And it's fun. It's fun to just bust out of your, your, the normal shell that you, you know, the, whatever we are, our normal persona, just to do something completely different. And that was great. I really enjoyed that character. Do you do a lot of improv work or was this the first time you've done some sort of improv in your scenes? Uh, no, we've, I've done it. You know, I haven't been, Film acting that long. I got into acting in 2007 um, in this little town where I live. And, uh, and then he did theater for a bunch of years because I thought theater was the purest form of acting. And then I started doing mm -hmm. film and realized it's hard. I mean, film is difficult as, as theater is. It's just different, two different, different skill sets. Um, but in, in theater, you don't really improvise, obviously. But in film, you know, I've been able to improvise here and there. And uh, I did a story once a couple of years ago for Rhode Island Monthly Magazine on comedy in Rhode Island. So I went to improv shows and went to improv classes just to write about. I ended up doing stand-up to write about. And, and that was fun. I mean, that was a great learning experience. But in film, you don't usually get to do that much improv. You usually kind of got to stick to the script. Unless they, like Connor did, just say, we'll do it this way. And then we'll just have fun and do it another way. And that's where the good stuff comes from sometimes. It really does. So so to answer your question, I haven't done a lot of improv, no. But when I have, it's just been very rewarding. We were actually talking about this recently. It's interesting to see how many um, comedians especially come from the New England area. Do you have any uh, idea of why that is? Like you talked about Rhode Island, but yeah. it's also as a ton, obviously. And yeah. you know, like New York and them too. It's funny because the, the comedians I talk to, uh, they said, we talked about comedian personalities, and they said, we're some of the most miserable sons of bitches you'll ever meet. They're just miserable, bitter people. And I maybe here in the Northeast, because it's, you know, we have like 11 and a half months of winter. It's just a miserable place to be. Most of the, maybe we were just pissed off all the time. I don't know. Um, but I, that, that could be it. Or, or it's, and it's just in the Boston area, New England, especially in Boston area, it's very liberal. It's very uh, uh, creative. Obviously, all the colleges and universities there. And so we tend to be a more creative lot, I think, than maybe, you know, the cornfields of Iowa or something like that. Nothing against the cornfields of <laughs> Iowa. 
but um, I think maybe it's just it's just a very creative place here, like on the West Coast. You know, the, the two coasts are very creative entities, and I think that may have something to do with it. And we, we and we, and, and like I said, we're kind of like miserable, and can, we can be a little ornery and grouchy. And it's easy to try to get the funny out of that. It's kind of you know, so. I think maybe that's it. We're a creative area to begin with, and we're pissed off. It's a perfect combination for comedy. I think that's a really good point. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you mentioned earlier that you wrote for uh, the Rhode Island Journal. Did you did a lot of writing early on in career? Can you yeah. talk about it a little bit? Yeah, I um, it was the Taunton. I lived in Taunton, the Taunton Daily Gazette was a paper there, and I'd always wanted to write when I was a kid. I dabbled in writing crazy stories. You know, when you're a kid, you do stuff like that, and I never thought I could do it for for real. And then eighty two, eighty three, I said, "Screw it, I'll just try it." A newspaper, and I ended up staying there for fifteen, sixteen years, and I loved it. I just loved uh, the news writing as as a form of writing. I had never written before. I'd never gotten training. I haven't gotten training in anything I've done. I just kind of winged it. Um, but I just loved telling a story uh, in, in the news format, profiles especially. I love, love profiles because I love talking to people and figuring out what they're about. Um, and it was just great. And it, it, it tapped something in me, uh, a creative part of me that I, I had never really tapped before. As a kid, you do. You're very creative and crazy. This is something I could do in a structured format and get paid for. So I loved it. I did it for 15 years. And then I freelanced for another. I'm still freelancing on and off. Uh, for the Boston Globe, for Rhode Island Monthly, Providence Business Journal. And then for a period of time, I was a travel writer for like 10 years. I was going all over the place doing travel writing. Um, so I, I, I just love writing because, again, it's a creative outlet and it's satisfying. And I, and I kind of I got into acting later in life, like I said, in 2007. And um, and it, it it's, it's, it's writing, but it's somebody else's writing. I mean, for, I'm a writer, so I can write my own stuff but I like acting because I'm using somebody else's words. And I'm one of those actors who likes to stick to the script as much as I can to memorize uh, plays or movies because as a writer, I respect somebody else's words. So I don't want to mess them up. You know, um, I, you know, I totally forgot what the original question I've gone off on a tangent. No, that was perfect. <laughs> um, question that I wanted to ask you going along that idea, you were obviously a writer for many years, then you transitioned into acting. Yeah. How You said that a creative bug kind of bit you to get you into writing. Do you yeah. think that, creativity followed you and transformed in any way or was it pretty much the same or was it an entirely new beast that's a good point um uh maybe it's the same beast uh but a different iteration a different species or something i guess maybe a different branch of that beast <laughs> because i think when you're creative you're just creative you're always creating i love to cook we had folks here for the weekend i cooked all weekend i just love to cook I go on hiking and I just started foraging for mushrooms. Uh, and that's kind of creative because you do you, what you can do with them. And so, yeah, it, it's the bug bit when I got into writing and I thought this, I, I knew I had to do this because I, I, it, it triggered a talent in me, I guess, that was there, but it kind of was dormant. And the same thing with acting. Acting by far is the thing I wanted to do more in my life than anything else. But I never had the courage to do it. And just thought I had, if I, if I screw this up, it'll destroy me. You know, if you want something bad enough, you don't go after it because you're afraid you won't get it and then you'll be crushed. And I think that's what it was with acting. And then as you get older, you just don't give a shit, give a, give a damn, but if you can swear or not, you just don't care about, you know, what people feel or you just, you're just willing to try things and take risks. And that's what happened with acting. And then when it bit, it bit hard. As soon as I got on a stage in, in this little town I live in, uh, you know, we did the rehearsal and everything. And, um, 
I got the lead in a play called Later Life, and how how appropriate was that? As soon as I got on the stage and said my first line, I said, damn, why haven't I done this before? And so I've just gone insane doing as many shows as I possibly could for four years, five years, and then kind of went into film. And now all I do is film commercials, industrials, things like that, college films. Um, and it's, a, it's the same beast. It's the same bug to bite you. Yeah. And it just ignites the, the fire of creativity in you. And, and that creativity can take many, many different avenues. Like I said, in cooking, in writing, photography. I do photography, too. I love photography. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's just no end to the uh, venues, to the avenues that creativity can take. And, and I can't live long enough to explore them all. So that's why I'm doing it now. <laughs> and do you think there was one inciting incident that caused you to get up on the stage? Or was there a, just a culmination of, oh, I really have to do this at this point? Yeah, it was. Yeah, the first time I did it, because like I said, there's a small theater here. And I, we would go, my girlfriend and I would go to shows because we knew people. It's a small town. And I was watching and I said, I know I can do this. I know I can do this. So maybe that was it. Maybe that was a trigger because I saw other people doing it. And I hadn't been to that much theater in my life. But every time I had, I was like, I know I can do this. And it was the same with film. I'd watch film and study film without knowing I was studying it. I would just absorb everything. And I, I reflected on this later that I would see how the props they were using, the music, the delay, the sound, everything. It just kind of just... Um, percolated it in me all those years. And it, when it came time to act, it was just there. It was like a, a, a decades of learning and finally came out and I had a place to use it. Um, so yeah, there was not one, I guess maybe not just one thing, but uh, yeah, just that desire and, and, and the urge not to, to, to quell the dream anymore because we all do that, I think, unfortunately. You have a dream, you have the one thing, that one thing you really, really want to do and you don't do it. And I think sooner or later, you just have to overcome that and try it. And if you fail, you fail, you just try something else. But if you don't, it grabs hold of you. It's like nothing, I've never done anything more satisfying in my life than acting. And so yeah, that. And um, so you write and you act right now. You've had experience in both throughout the years. Yeah. Do you think writing has taught you anything about acting and vice versa? Have you oh, learned yeah. anything about the different crafts from one another? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Because when you write, you write, um, you, you, as a writer telling other people's stories, you write with their voice in your head. And so you, 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 you say it out loud, but you don't say it out loud. You just, you know how the reader is going to read it and you you, you, you you write it so they'll understand it and it'll have a flow to it. It'll have a cadence and a pace. It'll be pleasurable to them. It'll make them want to read more. Uh, and it's the same with acting when you realize that these words are written just for that because they knew they were going to, these words are going to be spoken out loud. And so I don't know, it's just an interactive respect for each other, the craft that each other brings to the, to the, the art of storytelling. It's all about storytelling. Whenever I write a story about people, it's their story. Whenever you get up on stage in front of a camera, you're telling a, a story. So I have a tremendous respect for that. And yeah, one does feed off the other. As a writer, it's definitely informed me as an actor. And as an actor, it, it is an, informed me as a writer as well. So it's, a, it, it's just an, a marvelous, a circuitous connection between writing and acting. And I love it. Just absolutely love it. Sure. And I want to get a little more uh, Connor's movie specific for a second. Yeah. Question Connor likes us to ask everyone is what was your first impression of Connor when you first met him? Oh, he was a ball of fire, that kid. I mean, it just thought he was like, he was funny and he was focused on 
very bright. I mean, he's a bright kid. You just talk to him for two minutes, you know he's bright. Because <laughs> he's, he's synaptic gaps are narrowed. He's making and firing and all these, making connections between this and that. He, he can disconnect a lot of thoughts uh, in a coherent way, <clears throat> like what I'm doing now. <laughs> um, but uh, my, yeah, my, that was my first impression that this kid's going to be a lot of fun to work with. Because he likes, I mean, he likes, he's sarcastic, you know, he likes dark humor. So it's everything that I like. I mean, he he embodies everything I like. So it was easy to get along with him. And what was your experiences on set for those days like? It was fun. It was a very small crew because of COVID, so everybody kind of kept their own distance. Um, but it was great. I can't for life of me can't remember the the people I I worked with, but they were great, great bunch of kids. They're all kids to me anyway. Uh, but it was it was it was great. It was fun in in the um, um, we're on the we're on the BC campus. I think we shot. Yeah, it was BC. We shot that, and it's a beautiful campus. And it was great just being there. It was a beautiful day. I've never really had a bad experience on set. It's always been fun because you just got to look for where the fun is. You got to let the fun infuse you in what you do. And so that was fun. It was fun from start to finish because again, you play a character that was totally unlike me. Um, it, it was such a professional job. They did such a good job. They had the big screen. My big face on the, you know, and the, the the book cover. It was a make believe book cover, and they had printed those up. So it was well done for a very small crew. They really did a great job. I haven't seen the final product, so I don't know how great the job was. But at the time, it looked great. I mean, they really they did know what they were doing. So they handled it well. And you mentioned that you work with a lot of younger people. Do you yeah. have any advice? Even though you, of course, took a very different life path than most people, do you have any yeah. advice? people who are interested in working in uh, creative industries such as film? Yeah, the only voice that matters is yours. And they tell all young people that. They say, you know, I want to do this, I want to do that. My parents aren't that crazy. But luckily, some, a lot of them, their parents are. They say, yeah, go ahead and do it. But for the ones that, you know, the parents say, you got to be safe, you got to do this, just screw it. The only voice that matters is yours. Always follow your heart. Your heart. And, and no matter what you want to do, pursue it. If it really, if that's the fire that burns in you the brightest, just follow it, go after it. And if it doesn't work out, something else will present itself in a related field, I think. So you have an urge to do something that badly. You're going to find a way to do it in some form, you know? Um, so yeah, I just, I got, that's the, the best advice I can give people. Just go for it, go for it, go for it. Don't stop. Don't listen to anybody else but you. Yours, yours is the only voice that matters. So that's what I, the advice I would give. And Paul, what voice is coming to you right now? What is it telling you to do next? Just keep doing it. Um, I got the story I always tell that I used to drive home with my father and the family. And he was a great adventurer too. He would drive, uh, you know, we'd just be meandering through the, the forest somewhere on the road. And I never knew it was around the next corner. And then when we got around the next corner, I was like, oh, that's what that is. And then I look forward to the next corner and the next corner. And that's kind of what I do now. I just look forward to the next corner every day, every part of every day. Never know what, what, what that turn will take you. And it usually takes you someplace cool, someplace satisfying, someplace creative, someplace that you were meant to be in that moment, this, this split second in, in a very short life in the grand scheme of things. That's where you were meant to be. So. Um, I'm just, I just exploring the crap out of life and I just love it. And that's all that matters. All that matters is the the day to day in the moment, you know, it's the mindfulness thing, I guess, because that's all we have. So yeah, it's always the next corner for me. I cannot wait to get around the next corner and then put that in the review and go to the next one. 
life is uncertain. I love the uh, the certainty of the un- the certainty of the uncertainty of life is what I love. You just never know. So you feel where you fare well in uncertainty. Yeah, yeah, because it's all. I mean, if you just embrace that concept, it's all uncertain. I mean, even if you go to the same job every day, do the same thing every day, every day, there's a certain amount of uncertainty in everything. Life is uncertain, and and, and you talk about ad living. Every minute of our life, this, what we're doing now is ad-libbing. You wake up, you start ad-libbing. When you talk to your wife, your husband, the kids, the cop, the doctor, the, your coworker, your, your lawyer, whatever, it's all an ad-lib conversation. There's nothing scripted about living. So that's, that's where the most of the practice is, I think. It's in the, uh, the art of, <laughs> of acting and ad-libbing. Is, is we do it every waking moment of every single day of our lives. So, so that, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's crazy. I never thought of it like. Well, no, it's absolutely. I mean, you know, like Shakespeare. I think it was Shakespeare. So, right, all the world's a stage, and then mm-hmm. you know, women and men and women merely players. Bingo. That's it. It is all the world is a stage. We're constantly performing. We you know, we talk different to our wives, and we talk to our bosses, and we talk to the cop on the you know stops us in the car or whatever. It's all ad lib. It's every minute of the day is an ad libbed experience. So, how can we not be good at it? So uh, just to rewind it back a little bit, um, mm-hmm. the film obviously takes place in Boston. And it's entirely shot in Boston, in the surrounding Boston area. Yeah. Boston itself isn't really known as a film city. Do you think uh, that's like a mischaracterization of Boston? Does Boston have like a booming film industry that yeah. a lot of people aren't aware of? Yeah, I think so. I think the people who work here, like actors like me and for my friends and everybody, we know, we know that Boston, and specifically Boston, but New England in general, but mostly Boston, is, it's a it's a huge hotbed of activity. And it's not just for Ben Affleck and Matt Damon, you know, for the local guys shooting movies here, but bless them, they do. Uh, but yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on here. Most of my work is here. I mean, I just got, I'm going to do an audition for a film now that if I get, I hope I get it, it take place in like uh, Jerusalem next year. That that'll be as far flung as I've gone so far. But I love finding work around here. I mean, you, you, and occasionally have to go to New York or something like that. But there is so much work here for people. If that's what you want to do, if you want to act, there's a ton of work here. So yeah, I think it's more of a hotbed than people realize. People outside the industry may not might not understand it. But yeah, there's a lot of stuff here. And a lot of a lot of big big companies come here to film. Obviously, there's a lot of a lot of big budget Hollywood films that are shot here. Yeah, I mean, you see every day. It's, I saw the other day that Netflix is shooting a couple movies yeah. up here. Yeah, yeah. So it's just, it's just it's, it it is unfortunately the, you don't get the big stuff here, the uh, the big parts for actors. It's mostly background and and uh, extra work which I hate to do because I don't sound like standing around not doing anything. So I like to be part of the whole thing. Um, but, you know, there, there is a lot of, in, in the short version, it is a ton of work here for people and I'm working constantly and I even, you know, pandemic slowed it way down, but now it's starting to pick up again and it may kind of go the other way now since the pandemic is rearing its ugly head again. But in, in general, Boston is, is a great place to work and it's not that far from New York if you have to get there. So there's that. That's actually a good segue. Do you think, um, how do you think filmmakers and film workers today have responded to the pandemic? Obviously, there's still work going on in the pandemic. How do you yeah. think that's handled? Um, most of the places I've done stuff for, they're very uh, aware of it. They have COVID. They, they may have like COVID uh, compliance officers or whatever they call them on set 
they make sure everybody's doing it right. Everybody's got a mask on. <laughs> and they try to create the scenes where the actors aren't really, really close. Uh, and then I've been tested a bunch of times, every, not every time, but uh, many times on a film. So you got to get tested first. So they, they are taking precautions because they don't want it to come back to bite them, you know, to, if something happens and they're going to get in trouble. So it makes sense to, to take precautions. But again, now with the, you know, everything spiking, who knows what's going to happen. But a lot of places I've done films online. I've done Zoom films with people and Zoom projects. And it sucks because it's not really it's the same. But mm-hmm. there's, there's a guy in New York who's done a bunch of these. And I, I worked with him on one a few months ago. He's a really great young director. His name's Jeremiah Kipp. And he did a quarantine series. People should look it up. It's K-I-P-P is his last name, Jeremiah. Quarantine series. And he, he had actors in all these different films shoot their parts in their houses or outside where they were alone. And he pieced them all together to make these incredible narratives. Just amazing little films. Yeah. So, and so people, again, it's that creativity. It, it's not like, you know, the pandemic has squashed a lot of stuff, but creativity hasn't stopped. People are just more creative than ever. And I saw a meme yesterday. It's, I don't know how true it is, but they said, you know, the, the, the plague, the Black Plague back in the 15th century, uh, and it shut Shakespeare's theater down. And that's when he wrote Hamlet, uh, Anthony and Cleopatra, uh, I forget Macbeth. That's when he, during the period where he had nothing else to do, because the theater was closed down, he supposedly churned out these masterpieces. Again, it was on Facebook. So is it true? Who the hell knows? <laughs> but it's a good story. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. inspiring. And that's what yeah. that. Yeah. The, the point is you just keep creating. ABC, this is a stupid uh, thing, but always be creating. Just do it because there's not there's no reason to stop creating, even in a pandemic. You just because it's just you and your mind. <laughs> stuff still's happening up there. It's not just do it. Just write stuff or just do goofy you know, goofy videos to put online, but just create something because that's not going to go away. Sure. Paul, we just have a couple more closing questions for you and then I'll let you go. Thank you so much for joining us. First, I just want to ask, did you have a good time? Today? Yeah, I had a great time. To talk about myself, actors talking about themselves, it's always a good time. (laughs) You can't shut us up. (laughs) <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm glad you're enjoying yourself, Paul. I've had a great time. Um, what our first closing question is about the movie. Obviously, it yeah. takes place in a zombie apocalypse. So our question for you is, what would your plan be to survive the zombie apocalypse in Boston? Oh, the pandemic apocalypse? That zombie apocalypse? Yeah. <laughs> um, it's it's a boring answer, but just to adapt to it, I guess. I mean, you, you would look at some like totally flip answer, like like kill people and eat them before they get to you. <laughs> maybe something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? Maybe just pick on a big neighbor that you know you can feast on for a while. Kill them, put them in cold storage in your basement, and just ride out the winter. That's my stupid wise ass answer. But other than that, it's just to adapt and adjust and and keep doing as best you can. I mean, I hike, it's about every day I'm going to go for a hike pretty soon. I don't care how cold it gets. Just try to maintain a sense of normalcy, even though there's nothing normal about it. Mm-hmm. So that's my, that's my fatherly answer. But, you know, the other one about, yeah, just eat people before they eat you. <laughs> <laughs> and Paul, the last thing we have for you is just our little ending bit to close and open the show. I'm going to tell you exactly how to do it. It's just two sentences and you'll repeat after me. Right. The first one is, hi, my name is Paul Kandarian, and this is my golden hour. 
And then the next one is, hi, my name is Paul Kandarian. And that was my golden hour. Oh, okay. Hi, my name is Paul Kandarian, and this is my golden hour. Hi, this is Paul Kandarian, and this was my golden hour. Paul, you're a natural. I know oh. I commend you as our resident actor here. Thank oh. you so much. Thank you. Did I say it right or did I leave podcast out? No, okay. <laughs> I always worry about things like that. <laughs> I'll just I'll stop oh, recording. Yeah.